and welcome to Tardy to the Party, a podcast where Bill Mudrin and Daniel Rudis, that's me, talk about old pop culture media they might have missed. This week, we are filling our holes with Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. We're filling our, yeah, precious bodily, our holes are being filled with precious bodily fluids. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd never seen it before. You hadn't seen it in what, like 20 years I you saw said? it like, yeah, like it was a good 20 years ago, yeah. Yeah, so. All I remembered was there was a scene where someone shoots up a Coke uh, machine, there's jokes about precious bodily fluids, and Slim Pickens rides the nuclear bomb at the end. Also, that Darth Vader shows up in this, too. Yeah. Because he's, he's like one of the co-pilots, uh, James Earl Jones. Uh, so what year did this come out? I've, I kept meaning yeah, to look that like, up. It's old, so it's like 1985 or something like that. Oh, that's so old. Yeah, it's like old. It's so old. Like, what, it's like Schindler's List old. is black and white. Oh, wow. It's like they found it in a dumpster. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I think, 1964. Okay. Um, You can totally tell because it's kind of like the guy that got the, like, that yeah, mid-60s kind of like, yeah, kind of like almost kind of modern-y, kind of like the lighting and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, but the black and white throws. I love how it's it's filmed though. It's um, uh, watching this. I should let you talk about because this is your movie. But I hadn't seen it for a long time. No, so Bill, I shut, shut up. up. I was no, Bill, shut watching... up. Shut up. <laughs> okay, yeah. Shut up. Um, <laughs> so what I knew about it going into it, I I kind of knew the ending because the image of Slim Pickens riding the bomb down is so iconic. That's the most. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things. This bit. movie, just even from me uh, watching this again, I was like, I forgot how much this movie has been absorbed in pop culture. So you really yeah. kind of know everything that's happening. Uh, I knew um, I, it loses a lot of its bite, at least a, from my perspective. A lot of the like the war room settings been satirized. Those to are death the two big back. things to come out of this movie. Yeah. Uh, I knew Peter Sellers played a ton of roles in it, um, mm-hmm. and I knew the line, "Gentlemen, please, there's no fighting in the war room." Walk a walk. I knew walk that line. Um, That's the thing. Aside from that, I didn't really know much. I knew my dad liked it, and yeah. watching it, it feels like a comedy that he would like. Yeah. Uh, Your dad have good humor, uh, good taste in the comedy movies, or is yeah. that is that a compliment? That's where, or a... That, no, that's where I got it from. Um, but he never made you watch The Jerk. My mother hated Steve Martin. Uh, Your mom must be such a nice lady, Boo. <laughs> that's yeah. Anyway, um, uh, but uh, yeah. I, aside from that, I don't really know anything about it. Um, so far, I'll say this: so far, out of all the material I have ingested, it's been the most entertaining piece of media. I've seen for this uh, for this podcast. Yeah, for this podcast. Oh, really? Okay, I'm uh, glad you liked it. Then. I liked it better than I liked Magnificent well, Amberson. <laughs> I liked it better than I liked Kane, Citizen Kane. Blade and Runner. It's yeah. it's definitely stuck with You've me more than some wonky shit than Blade Runner. Yeah. Although technically, you ask most film fans, but Blade then again, Runner you know Citizen what? Kane. If I had watched a different cut than Blade Runner, I might have liked it more. Uh, um, so Doctor Strange Love is a movie about. Um, a military commander who goes crazy sends a bunch of planes on uh what's the term r it's a oh uh was mission plan r attack plan Plan R. r yeah something like that which is basically to go nuke the russians in retaliatory action because they started to attack us or yeah what and also to shut down all communications unless yeah, unless they, they know the communication code. with the, like a very so, specific three number uh three letter prefix. so it's yeah. basically the fallout of that uh of the planes heading into russia and the the president and generals trying to stop it and yeah. whatnot Cause just because this one guy's gone crazy yeah. yeah so at the start of the, the my first note was there you see a shot of the inside of the plane when they're getting the notes and stuff uh that this mission R is a go and one of the guys is looking at a playboy and he's like got it folded out to the centerfold mm-hmm. and it's the most boring playboy centerfold I've ever seen because her butt's covered by like a newspaper yeah. or something I'm like that is the worst I, there's I no know. nudity on the centerfold at all that's what, terrible when did you start seeing nudity in like rated R films I don't know. Was this, this this probably even dates the MPAA code, right? I have no idea. So I'm kind of wondering what You'd the like if they could even show nudity. I don't think the MPAA code was probably something. I don't think you I had know, like rated R movies until like the early 70s. Yeah, I so don't maybe know. it's a couple two couple years too early for that. So you really maybe. couldn't have like blatant know. swearing and tits. An American domestically re- released. Well, wide... there was some like nudity and stuff in the James Bond movies. Like you don't see t- like nipples or anything like that. You do, but they're accidental. Yeah, and those are almost kind of the same vintage as some of this stuff. Not that too, I know anything because like I've never seen I've never seen a James Bond movie. So really, 
Yeah. You never seen. That's why I'm filling my holes. Okay, that's a, that's a big fucking hole. Not that, oh, not that you have to watch all the before you get too but... deep in this. I apologize for all the times I'm gonna say nuclear wrong. Nuclear. Yeah. Well, yeah. How do you pronounce nuclear? nuclear? It's pronounced nuclear. <laughs> I'm just. I, I think even George C. Scott in this movie even pronounces it nuclear. I'm I'm probably Wait, gonna say the... nuclear a bunch. Nuclear. That's the bad one. I'm okay. probably gonna say that nuclear. a bunch, and I apologize nuclear. if. No, I'm, you said nuclear correctly. I'm gonna. I, I hope so. Nuclear. But I've heard Homer Simpson say nuclear so nuclear. many times; it's kind of beaten into my skull. Yeah. So I might. Well, I'll, nuclear I'll try to also say nuclear. kind of fits into this movie's stupid kind of sense of humor too. Kodar. That's right. I wrote it down. Kodar. Okay. Slim Pickens is so young in this movie. Holy crap! I've only I'm, seen Slim Pickens in this. <laughs> no, you've seen him in Blazing Saddles. I've seen like Blazing Saddles once. Oh, that's what? It's such a Bill Mudrin movie. Blazing Saddles. Okay, so there's a black cowboy. It should have been Richard Pryor. <laughs> Fat guy. Well, he wrote it. Uh, uh, Webster's dad punches a horse. <laughs> I can't remember anything else. Perfect. There's like a slutty lady because it's, it's a Madeline Kahn. Movie. Is that Madeline Kahn? Yes. Uh, as we talk, there's a poster of Madeline Kahn <laughs> on the wall. This is the second Madeline Kahn episode. And really. it's got it's Gene Wilder. It's, it's got Gene Wilder in it. Yeah, I know. Have you seen? You've got to. You've got seen Young Frankenstein, right? Of course. Yeah, you've got to rewatch Blazing Saddles. I'm no, no particular reason I have it. I just haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. Don't it's there's super the farts, offensive. There's the fart scene. Okay, so yeah, yeah, okay, yeah we're Slim, Pickings, <laughs> Slim Pickings is in it, and he's older, okay, so he yeah. looks older. Is he so that's, like the, that's my big he like the, like He's a the, villain. Oh, he's okay. like the the right hand man of the main villain. But anyway, yeah, he's in like this. Ten years later. Yeah, for Blazing Saddles. He is yeah. the pilot of the one plane that we follow on this excursion into yeah. Russia. Total cowboy. Um, yeah, like when he gets the code, he gets in a lockbox and and takes out a cowboy hat and puts it on because you know when you put on your cowboy hat, I mean That's what serious shit's, yeah, business. shit's getting real. Uh, and we are on a roll of picking movies where people smoke like crazy. Oh yeah, Blade Runner. Oh yeah, well this is what we get for choosing old. Hey, two episodes in a row, <laughs> perfect. That's what we get for actually having. That's what I get for having housemates who have friends who come over. Um, but. Yeah, well, this is we keep on choosing old movies. Yeah. And so there's going to be lots of smoke use. So we have to choose. Next week, we'll, we'll talk about a river runs through it. <laughs> Just to avoid smoking stuff. But yeah, no, well, that's one of the nice things. The war room scenes are really shot because it's all smoky from everyone smoking in there. So they have nice backlights. Yeah. Like the cinematography is super nice. But, we'll uh, talk about that in a bit because I know the cinematography. Okay. Uh, cigars are. He lent me $5. Cigars once. are really good at making people look like assholes. They do a good job with that. You've seen The Godfather, right? The first Godfather? Yeah. Um, I didn't realize um, the... What's the dude's name? General Jack Ripper. Mm-hmm. Get it? Jack Ripper. Because he kills people. <laughs> There's you. a lot of that kind of humor in this movie. Yeah. Get it? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> nudge, nudge. Uh, wait, General wait, Jack Ripper. He plays McCluskey, the crooked cop from The Godfather. He punches... Uh, um, Michael Corleone in the jaw, breaks his jaw, hmm. and tries, to ki- tries to whack the good feathers boss yeah. in the hospital oh wow um he's the one of the guys gets shot in the uh the, the italian restaurant by uh, michael okay yeah he, he did a good out. job playing a crazy man yeah because he's, he's chomping on the cigar the whole time and he is the general close up he's the general general ripper that uh init- goes crazy and initiates yeah he's order he's R. the start of this whole goddamn movie yeah and he's decided that he he is tired of communist bullshit uh, no 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 Commie bullshit. Commie bullshit. He decides to cut through all the red tape and just take on the commies directly by instigating this attack on Russia and saying, fuck it, we're just going to, you know, this war is going to happen eventually. Might as well do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's, someone's got to take the initiative. When he does that, it locks down the base and nobody can enter. If you get any, if you, anybody's seen approaching the base, you're to gun them down immediately. Yeah, because he starts telling all the troops, like, you like if anyone approaches the base, it's probably commies dressed like American soldiers. Yeah. So just because if they show up, wearing our uniforms and stuff like that you can't assume they're actually on our side you should uh, take them down and mm-hmm. and for some he's reason he's a madman he's for some crazy. reason this is where we see uh uh peter sellers first character a british guy in an american well, base thought, uh, british air force i know peter sellers played three characters i thought he was the well fuck secretary james earl jones and the cook machine well, those were his secondary characters. Okay. He was unlisted at those. Okay, because he did good as James Earl Jones. He did. Sounds just like Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. For all the one line he has. <laughs> yes, checking three two five. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yes, yeah, perfect this James is, yeah, Earl Jones impression. He's uh, the RAF guy, the Royal Air Force uh, yeah. captain, who is trying to keep this madman guy from going any matter. 
and also trying to worm the uh, three-letter prefix out of him that he can then use to broadcast the Sandown orders to this fleet that is being sent to Russia to nuke the shit out of it. Yeah. yeah. So then we get... I, Did you see Mr. Bean just turn 25 years old? I hate Mr. Bean. Really? Not the not not Rowan Atkinson. I'm fine with him. Okay, just Mr. I, Bean. I, my, just thinking about English comedy. Yeah. yeah. I like English Chameleons. comedy, but for some reason, Mr. Bean, I hate him so much. Uh, I only but saw anyway. that because on uh, yesterday. What does that have to do with anything? I just, Peter Sellers. What's your experience with oh, Peter, Peter Sellers? Oh, Peter Sellers. Yeah, stuff? Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen Being There? I've seen one Pink Panther movie. Oh, that's I forgot a, he was in the Pink Panther that's movies. That's my only Peter Sellers I, I remember as a kid being so disappointed when I actually saw all the Pink Panther movies and the Pink Panther was only in the opening credits. Because yeah. <laughs> I really thought he yeah, was you a mentioned, kid. You mentioned that when yeah. we talked about this before. Um, that the cartoon is still the best part of those movies. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I remember. I being hate the Pink in. Panther cartoons. We've talked about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, that's right. I think they're crazy. terrible. Just worth it for the yeah, sound effects. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, what you were saying about <laughs> Peter Sellers. Uh, yeah, he plays the Sarah. Uh, so that's Captain. the first character, yeah. And then yeah, we whole mustache guy, yeah. Uh, very prim, very proper. very British, yeah. And Hello, then though. We go. Oh, respecting authority almost to a default because you yeah. think, if anything, you should be like trying to work against this journal ripper guy even a little bit faster. But he's trying to. I don't know. It's it's a little weird. Yeah. But then we get another general, and what's this guy from? I recognized him, but which guy? The the. The the general that's always communicating with the president. I forget his name. George C. Scott. Yeah. Yeah, he plays he's Scrooge. In the in the uh, Christmas Carol, my family always watched when I was growing up. George that C. has Scott, no reference to me at Patton. all. What's it's George C. He's a famous. Yeah, dude. his name is super familiar. I can't he's great place in this role too. In it. I guess. Uh, well, so we should also mention this is a Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah. And uh, George C. Scott did not like how broadly Kubrick was asking him to play this character. Because yeah. his, his character is this very kind of like manic, gum-chewing, kind of looks like Hank Hill mm-hmm. kind of like guy. And he's always just very like, meh. And, uh, yeah, that was the one thing for this movie. Kubrick is not a comedic director. Yeah, he's a This movie is all over the place with its comedy. Sometimes it was trying to be very slapstick. Are you talking about Buck Turgidson? Buck Turgeon, <laughs> what a stupid name! <laughs> well, that's the, I think that's supposed to be the point. It's supposed to be you see, essentially a human penis. So you see with him a with hat. His, you see him with his secretary, yeah. Turgidson, and uh, <laughs> she takes a call and she's like, he's taking a shit. He can't come to the phone. Yeah, he really does. She, and she does kind of throw him another shit bus. Yeah, and then he comes in and talks and like he's a guy. Where are my pants? I gotta go hang out at the war room. So again, he goes to the war room uh, because code R has been implemented and the president's down there and your tummy is a rumbling. I know. <laughs> I didn't have breakfast this morning, so it's extra just kind of like work. Um, he goes to the war room where the president is and they're talking about how code R is implemented in there. Everybody's trying to make sure that that's a yeah, thing. George C. Scott kind of becomes the exposition character because he's the one who explains to the president, also played by Peter Sellers, mm-hmm. that he essentially sets up the whole thing saying, hey, okay, with like, yeah, this madman General Ripper, he sent off uh, these planes. We can't bring them back. In 15 minutes, they're going to cross into uh, Russian airspace, and that's going to instigate the Russians uh, firing against us. Or they'll, they'll come under... The Russians will be able to see them on the radar. Yeah. And he's assuming that they're just automatically going to start launching missiles back at us once they see, like, 35 American nuclear bombers flying into their airspace at once. So, yeah. Which would be justified in launching an attack if you see that shit happen. Yeah, and they, he gives the exposition of why they can't recall them yeah. and how this whole contingency plan worked and, and why they didn't need the president's approval to launch he these He does, planes. which I love the explanation because the president's like, how could this ever happen? I do love his thing where he's like, sir, you, you approved this thing. Yeah. According to you, you said like, you obviously the president signed off on this thing Except like months really, ago without really... He's really smarmy and like kind of a shitlord about it. Like, what kind of general would talk to the Buck president Turkinson? like that? Yeah. Well, he's Where he's like, uh, now, president, you do uh, you do recall that you signed this into law, right? And it's like, wow, that's wow, alarming how it? your face turns into Jerksy Scott there for a moment. like, wow, no, this guy is really a shitlord to the president supposed of America. To be, well, I, I think the way, uh, well, even uh, what's his face? Uh, Peter Sellers, she's playing the president. He's playing the president kind of with a cold, kind of being kind of a weakling, kind of like, Ugh. Yeah. And you're supposed to, this Buck Turgidson is always supposed to be the super aggressive, thinks he knows better than the president, 
kind of like barely kind of like deigning to the to the chain of command here in the war room uh big dick slinging motherfucker who i mean the first thing he once he explains the situation of the president he suggests well we should also just go on the offensive and nuke russia so they don't have yeah. a chance to re- to uh well, our, to retaliate. Our planes are already in there what? let's uh, keep watching going. this movie i'm like technically if you want to save the maximum number of lives on this planet that's actually the probably the best idea <laughs> You're going to have to apologize to the world for accidentally starting a war with Russia that you were forced to then destroy all of Russia before they could retaliate, but it would keep the rest of the world from being completely destroyed. That's even before they find out about this uh, fucking death machine. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. um, So so they do that. Uh, He gets a call from the secretary that he's fucking and has to be like, no, baby, baby, you're important to me. No, and it's... And you never hear from her again. Yeah. Well, also, when she first takes the call, so when she's in his apartment, she's all like, whoever calls her, uh, calls him up, who's looking for her. She's obviously fucking got... that. Yeah, she's yeah, because like, 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 oh, yeah. hey, Bernie, or whatever. Yeah. She's like, oh, how you doing? Yeah. So that's one of the things that kind of makes this movie seem like an old dad movie, because it's all like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's so, it's about, oh, she's, it's, it's the end of the world, but it's a black comedy about, oh, this girl, she's fucking everybody, and all everyone wants to care about who's fucking who. Like, even the beginning of the movie, with all the fucking uh, refueling imagery at the beginning, is obviously yeah. some kind of, like, sex thing. Yeah, that's what, well, that was my first thing. I was like, well, that's... at the end, writing, essentially writing a giant exploding dick down on the bad guys. Yeah. Is whole, it's supposed to be, like, kind of, like, get it, get it? Like, elbow in the, in the ribs, hey, get it? Sex? Uh, yeah, the subtlety worst, in this worst movie Worst things to be caring lacking. about, everyone just wants to fuck. Yeah. Well, then the whole sex thing with this... With, Strange Love's plan at the end and stuff. Like, there's a whole sexual dynamic to this movie. That's a thing. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, the movie's very kind of like... So... I'm sure in 1964, this this movie was a revelation. But now yeah. it just seems because... It just seems kind of like old-timey and kind of cute and kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't remember what happens quite after that. But anyway, eventually they bring down the Russian ambassador. Which I love the guy who plays him. The big fat guy. Except he... Couldn't keep well, his I accent just, straight. I know. I don't care. He's just like, "Hello, I, I am the Russian yeah. ambassador. How are you doing?" Uh, for a moment, like he's sometimes like, he would have Russian accent, and then in the middle like of the German talk, he'd be like, like "It's all of a sudden," and he's yeah. like, "What are you doing? <laughs> You're Russian, not British." I know. Which again, <laughs> it's a black comedy. What are you gonna do? Um, technical details don't matter. So but uh, but I love that he look he looks like he should have been uh, Gl- uh, Augustus Gloop's dad in yeah. Willy Wonka or a grown um, up Augustus Gloop. Yeah. But uh, General Throbbing Cock is that his name? Buck Turgenton Turgenson. I'll just yeah, call him Buck. Buck. Uh, so Uncle Buck um, <laughs> starts being like, "It could be a commie plan. We don't know that. Commies are sneaky." Are you talking about the presence of the ambassador inside? Yeah, the, yeah, inside stuff, the war room and stuff, yeah. and and or just the entire time, he's just constantly like, "Commies suck. Commies are the worst." Well, he's supposed commies to be the commies eat their own babies of this hyper competitive war mind that gets us into these situations in the for, first yeah. place. And even when the world's about to come down on our ears, he's still like worried about like. Yeah, the world's about to end, but he's still weird. Like, oh my god, you're gonna let this guy into the war room? He's gonna take pictures. What's gonna happen? Well, that is one of the few like amusing things. Yeah. Well, funnier things on the movie is yep. is you can't have him come down here. He'll see the big screen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, the big screen is an amusing thing. <laughs> it is That's kind of like screen, though, kind yeah. of like the uh, uh, Monty Python, the machine that goes bing. Yeah. Oh, you've got the machine that goes ping this time, do you? <laughs> well, that's an expensive um, one. They have a hell of a food layout there too. Yeah. You only see it a couple times, but they've got this like length of a football field inside of the war room. They have all like silver platters. Oh, they take some pickled like eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then he wrestles with the uh, Russian ambassador, saying, "He got a camera on him. I, I caught him trying to take pictures." Which probably not. I'm, it happened. Well, no, off, it turns out he has enough screen. Yeah, that's at the he end. He does though. steal a camera. Yeah. He no, he the does guy have a does have a camera, watch, but. Well, he says no. Like, well, they take a camera off the ambassador. The ambassador just says, "Oh, this your man over here. He he planted this on me." So well, they go- suggest that he was taking photos. Well, they, again, yeah, yeah, but you don't know if so the petty. crazy general kind of 
Eh, I, I, I interpret it as that he was Cause taking photos because even I think the idea is that even I, on both sides with the world about to end, even then these two halves of this problem still can't put aside their petty differences to not worry about this shit and focus on the world's going to end in face. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that camera he had on him. You don't think so? No, because the mm. general was standing there the entire time and he started fighting with him as soon as the president turned his back. Uh, but he does have a camera later on. Yeah, he does have a camera later on. Google so that point is kind of moit, m- moot, moit, moit, moist. <laughs> inventing a new word. <laughs> the point is moit. But, uh, uh, and that's where the president turns around and they're fighting with each other and he's like, he's got a camera! And he's like, he's planted it on me. Is this the and that's no what fighting? Gentlemen, please, there's no fighting in the war room. Wah, wah, wah. Like, oh, Again! It's, it's a... This movie would, this would have played off as much more interesting back in the day, but now it's just kind of quaint and charming, kind of like yeah. an old-timey, kind of like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, get it? Mm. Mm-hmm. So then they Black sit, humor, nuclear war. They sit war. down and call the Russian president, and there's, I'm guessing people really like this awkward conversation. How are you doing? I, oh, I, my notes, fine. I noted that. I really you're love this fine. conversation, yeah. We're fine. We're all fine here. I'm, I feel like if that was... A normal call, that'd be fine. But this is the president That's the who joke. is supposed to be a good speaker. <laughs> That's the joke. Well, he's, he's calling up to say this guy. Um, So we're about to nuke so- the entire Country? So one of our gen- I mean that's still black humor. So one situation. of our generals uh, went a little screwy in the head. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're gonna bomb the fuck out of you. So and then the uh, well, no, I yes, I I love it. I turns did, into yeah. a Bob Newhart routine. Yeah, where, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it is pretty. They could have gotten Bob Newhart to play the president. Yeah, and it would have been, been age appropriate yeah. too. Yeah, it, it would have involved too. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Um, he basically says, like, we're working on getting the codes, but if need be, you might have to shoot down our planes. Yeah. Well, to I like stop even it. there's a moment of silence. He's like, Dimitri, Dimitri. Well, how do you think I feel, Dimitri? Yeah. And again, it's doing the whole thing of bigger problems to worry about than he's. He's worried about his own hurt feelings more yeah. than like the fact the world's about to end. So it's like still again. Yeah. Like, and then the pre- oh, the pettiness. The president's like. He wants to talk to you and gives the phone to the ambassador and the ambassador. Yeah. Which I wouldn't a be a bit surprised if it is just bushly, bushly. A bunch of Russian gibberish, probably. Baklava, but, um, baklava, baklava. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's Greek. <laughs> Thank you. But then he borscht, hangs up the borscht, phone, borscht. and that's where you find out that the Russians have a doomsday device that yeah, if any nuclear is, bomb yeah. goes off. Uh, on their soil, it will trigger a, a world-ending uh, yeah, like nukes. a smog that will cover the Earth for ninety-three years and and kill and everything on on, on yeah. Earth. Uh, and there's no way to stop it. And they're like, "Well, why didn't you tell anybody about this?" And he's like, "Well, he was going to announce it on Monday. You know how he likes theatrics." Yeah, which I thought that was kind of a funny joke. So like, then, da, 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 but, da. so then things get a little bit more heightened because now, if they don't stop these bombs from hitting Russia, everybody dies. Yeah, it's not just a matter of nuclear war between two superpowers, which could turn into thing. But yeah, this is pretty much the delete button for all life on Earth yeah. is about to get hit. Yeah. So between all this, we're flashing to the plane, and you know they're testing stuff out and doing this and that. Yeah, there's a lot Nothing of things really just coming on back the plane. of them just slowly kind of like getting the ship ready to bomb. It was basically them wasting Slim Pickens. Like this great comedic actor that does no comedic acting yeah. at all. I feel like they could have had anybody in that role, but Slim Pickens Supposedly just Sellers, that was supposed to be uh, Sellers' character too, but then Sellers like broke his foot or something like that, and he was like, yeah. I'm already too busy with these other three characters. I, why? Why did he need to be all these characters? Did you read the Wikipedia entry for this? That kind of goes no, into this a little bit. No, because it's supposed to be you educate me on things, oh, okay. I educate you. So, according to Wikipedia, um, Peter Sellers had played multiple roles. Well, I guess Peter Sellers, I had never seen Lolita, Kubrick's Lolita, but I guess Kubrick was the star in Lolita. And part of the thing in Lolita is that he dresses up as a bunch of different characters. He's, he is playing one character, but it's a character who dresses up a lot. And so for some reason, the studio was like, well, we'll finance your next film, Kubrick, but it has a, it has to star uh, Peter Sellers, and we want him playing at least four different, entirely different roles, because everyone loved that so much in Lolita. We want to even, like, pump that it's up like a little bit. fucking nutty and professor so, well, over here. there's an interview with Kubrick where he's like, you know what, sometimes in order to get a movie made, you have to make weird decisions. So I said, okay, let's do it. And so, <laughs> if this was made ten years ago, it would have been fucking nutty professor. I know all exactly, up in this yeah. Thing. And so, yeah, the four roles: it's yeah, it's RAF captain, presidents, um, Doctor Strange Love, Doctor Strange Love, and it would have been Slim Pickens' hmm. character, King Kong, Doctor or Pilot Captain Kong, or whatever the hell his name is. And so, yeah, I guess uh, uh, 
um, Seller was so busy with the other three roles, and then he, like, hurt his foot or something like that. He's like, you know what, we're gonna have to find someone else, and uh, it's, because I guess Kubrick then came up with the idea, well, I love Slim Pickens, he's been in other stuff, we should have, like, if we're gonna have this, like, cowboy play this, like, the captain of this, this, uh, plane, we gotta, it was Slim Pickens, so we gotta do that, but I guess Slim Pickens had never been outside of the United States before, so he had to get, like, an emergency passport to fly to England where they were mm. filming, and uh, this is also filmed, I believe, on the same sound stages as Star Wars. Just throw that out there. Yeah, and uh, and so <laughs> they said it was hilarious because he essentially showed up in costume. Because they said Slim Pickens pretty much just that was his cowboy hat, the boots, everything. <laughs> All he had to do was put like army, army, like an army jacket on him. He was like, well, now you're in costume. That's it. So, and they so- said like he like. He didn't even really have to act. Like, he improvised some of his lines and, like, what his character was on screen. That's how he was in real yeah. life. Like, yeah. So, going back a little bit, they also, uh, when they're doing setting up all of this, like, before they talk to the uh, president of Russia, they uh, send a Air Force troop to go after the base where oh, the yeah. planes had been launched to try to get the codes from uh, General Ripper. Yeah. So... W- once uh, we get up to that point, then we get a close up of like the base guy saying like, "Oh, well, they sure do look Americans, yeah, but they're not. They're commie bastards." Well, this leads and, into the thing where yeah, then they been start told having, by the crazy general yeah. that like don't trust any American troops. So then they, they're they start, be commies, yeah, yeah. Then they start in disguise having a, a battle there where gunfire is going off, and yeah. and in General Ripper's like room, a bunch of. Uh, Gunfire will come in, and he gets an LMG and starts shooting it back out, and he's holding that thing by the fucking barrel. I know that gets hot as shit, mm-hmm. man. It's <laughs> almost like it's like a paper mache gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> almost yeah. like it's not a real LMG. He's yeah. holding. If you've played enough Call of Duty, you'll go. <laughs> oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he starts but, fighting back. Yeah, because yeah. the troops are really getting up to his office and brought to take and him out. And then him yeah. and the well, they don't want to kill him. They want to take. Yeah, they want to get the code. They, they need him. to get the code in order to get all these plans yeah. to stand down. Yeah, so he's then, the linchpin of this whole situation. Yeah. Then him he sits down with the british air force guy yeah little mustache guy um and they start having a conversation about how the commies are putting fluoride the fluoride in the water is getting mind control this is essentially the same argument that portlanders use to keep our portland's water at this point in the movie i'm like at this point in the movie i was like this all feels way too current with the Muslims in America, the way they're getting treated, yeah. and the way and the, the Florida and the water and the crazies with all that stuff, I'm like, this is all a bit too <laughs> worried. There are parts of the movie that are timeless, yeah, despite it being kind of old grandpa parts. <laughs> but like, yeah, sometimes it's a bit like, yeah, well, craziness is forever. That's that's always going to be a thing. But yeah, specifically water supply <laughs> stuff and like, yeah, so and so is invading our country. The Florida and the water is. Getting in there and it's mind control. Do you drink fluoridated water? Again, do you know why I only drink distilled water? And oh, and he vodka? gives that weird se- sequence too, where he's talking about how he does love the women, but he will always deny them his essence, his yeah. life force. Yeah, yeah, which is actually, basically he lost his essence one time making love, and that was the only time it happened. Yeah, it's like is he. Is he insin- saying he doesn't come in women? The insinuation is that he uh, went soft once while fucking someone. Yeah. And that drove him insane enough that he's destroyed, essentially led to this. That was the first domino that fell that led to this event of him destroying the world because he couldn't get it up once. And that's about as subtle as this movie Again, that, that's the tie of sex to the world, end of the world that this movie keeps on like playing around with. Like It's it's the co- sexy comic end of the world and it all started because a guy couldn't get up enough and yeah. now he's worried about his semen and with the quality of a semen and who's got yeah. a semen and yeah yeah that was that was a yeah but it, it hangs together it's just very it's just very goofy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have that i have that in my notes i just wrote did he just say he can't come in ladies yeah that's what he well he says specifically he denies yeah them he denies essence. them so we guess essence. when he shoots like he's just doing it on their backs into or into a cup or into a teddy ruxpin i guess i yeah, don't know and uh, um, General Turkinson. I know what he's so worried about his freshest fluids. He probably doesn't want to throw it away, so he's probably just drinking. He's making his own milkshakes, essentially. Yeah, that's what probably. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah, you should assume that. That sounds logical. I want to see Captain McCluskey from Godfather drink his own semen. That's a deleted scene that we didn't get in this movie. That I'm kind of upset I'm sh- about. Well, you should draw that. I'm sure that'll be this week's podcast art. <laughs> yeah. <Ew. laughs> so I uh, I don't I don't know if I've been spoiled by like good politics banter in like movies and film and, yeah. and stuff but the the 
banter the the general has with the president the president has with the ambassador ambassador to general and all that it doesn't feel it's not west wing right. enough for you no i i it, it's not that it just doesn't feel like it's conversations these people would actually be having well i think even, well, this is a heightened reality it's not a supposed to be realistic setting. you think so yeah it just uh, this like, is like the animaniacs reality here but that's the thing with the movie it doesn't for me it doesn't feel like it's it's not walking the line. It's sometimes it's in complete goofy areas, yeah, and sometimes it's in serious areas, and it can't make up its mind which it wants I mean, to this do. This is one of the first big black comedies of its kind at the time, so it makes sense that, like, for your perspective, it would be so inconsistent because instead of being wacky all the time, sometimes it kind of drops the wackiness and gets kind of like dour sometimes. Like, but... like you'll have these serious moments where they're talking about the bomb, and then Doctor Strangelove comes in. Doctor Strangelove is a character. What I don't even know why he's in this movie. Yeah, why the fuck is he in this movie? And why is the movie called Doctor Strangelove? He's in two scenes. Yeah. And but he, he comes only... in, and you've got all these characters. Peter Sellers, you know, the president, probably, is playing this kind of wispy guy. And the studio Doctor's... was so in love with Sellers, I would imagine maybe it's they this. Well, like, what's his craziest character? What's going to be the most well-known character that he does in this movie? Let's just name the movie. Yeah, so the, oh, I for, yeah, that's when they reveal the Doomsday device. They're like, Doctor Strangelove, would that work? And he comes rolling over in his wheelchair. He's like, it is possible it could work. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy? And he's got uh, got like a crippled right hand that he has to pull shit out of if he wants to use it. And yeah, it's like it's like that, I it I would, interpret it that would be a fantastic invention. And he talk he literally talks like that. That's yeah. a, that's how he sounds. Keeps on calling the president mind fear. Yeah, mind fear. <laughs> I mean, my president. That's like, what the fuck is this character? This character has no. No, it doesn't fit in this. It really is an excuse to prepare sellers to do shtick. Plus, I'm pretty sure America still didn't trust Germans at this point. Oh no, you never heard about that? Like, uh, like uh, they the after World War II, America scooped up as many Nazi scientists as possible to work on the. uh, My grandfather, he worked in White Sands, New Mexico, at uh, at the Air Force Base there. And they, he talked about how they had Nazi scientists there. Wow. Like, Werner von Braun and all those guys. Like, that's 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 very specifically based off a real thing. Yeah, all those guys, they pretty much said, we're going to shoot you, or are you going to help us with our space program? This guy, I just I just figured it out. Dr. Strangelove feels like a villain from a LucasArts adventure game. <laughs> he really, even like that's the hair what he's and the glasses from. and the hall. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. He's very heightened. In a movie that already exists in a very heightened reality... He is the fucking Mount Kilimanjaro comes, of yeah. He comes rightness. He yeah. comes rolling in to say that the Dooms machine machine is a brilliant thing, and he wish he had come up with it or something. <laughs> yeah. And then he's off for the rest of the movie till the very end. I'm like, what the fuck and is again, the point of that? I think from Cooper's perspective, you have the guys who are responsible for these these kinds of situations happening in the first place, and the ambassador and Buck Turgenson, and then you have the Nazi essentially being the uh, unethical people who make those. The, essentially make the war tools that make these kinds of wars possible. So I think it's kind of Cooper kind of showing you exactly, like, not only how do systems break down, but how do systems that are capable of destroying the world get built in the first place. And so you can kind of see the people wants to get this stuff, the people who actually build the machines. And then you, you're seeing the whole story of the movie is how those machines break down and could potentially turn against us and snuff us out. Not in terms of literal machines, but just, like, you know, social systems that can backfire against yeah so then military systems and yeah then we're back in the plane that's my interpretation okay then we're back in the plane and they're trying to dodge a missile that's coming at yeah them. someone does manage to fire off a missile at these yeah. guys yeah and and at the plane it blows up one mile outside of their plane so they don't get hurt but they get damaged they get enough singed. uh that their uh messaging device the code that the recall code that if it does come in yeah, they're not gonna be able to see it because that machine, that piece of equipment's all busted up. So yeah. then they fly down low to not be visible on radar. Yeah, they're also losing fuel, so they're yeah. kind of like also yeah, the plane gets fucked on the way. They really can't fly very high at all. So yeah, yeah they're and. I don't know if it's in that scene, but a scene later that you also find out their bomb bay is all fucked up. The, yeah, that's the later. bomber bay doors. Yeah. So uh, um, then uh, we go back to the military base where it turns out that. The military base guys start surrendering to the Air Force guys that have come onto the base and have been shoot fighting with them. Uh, and uh, Ripper's like, my boys, they're surrendering. And uh, he goes in the bathroom and shoots himself. 
in yeah he gives a little that, speech about how he believes in an almighty deity and he still thinks he still feels justified in what he did but yeah yeah he just like without warning he just goes off and shoots himself you yeah know? which okay he handed the lmg to the british guy before that and he just stood there and held it when he could have put it at ripper i know and stopped him from doing anything i shot so, him in the leg it's a goofy something. comedy so i think people aren't necessarily reacting in a realistic way it's I supposed to be just like obviously he just kind of kill himself in a really abrupt way kind of like yeah. well, it's okay guys guess that's he the puts end a of towel his... around his neck to look like he's shaving yeah or something yeah closes the door and you hear a bang and a thud um and he's dead so the code died with him mm-hmm. although but then well we'll get to it yeah. and and uh yeah a bunch of other crap happens that is kind of of no consequence this is a movie really kind of went by without a lot of oh that happened then that happened it's not a beat for beat movie like well uh, so you get another is it part of the who shows up to fuck with the the raf guy um, oh, the that, mustache guy who's left behind. That's just some. Well, the some mustache grunt. guy. He's going through George uh, Colonel uh, General Ripper's uh, notes after he's killed yeah. himself, and he finds out that he's been like writing on on this piece of paper, like peace, peace on, on earth, earth, yeah, purity of essence, over and over again. He realizes, oh, POE must be the the prefix code yeah. uh, for the place. So he 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 rings up the war room and says, hey, I think I figured out what no. the uh, prefix code is. No, no, no. Oh no! There's a whole process a, I forgot there's about. A, that. There's a uh, military God, guy who comes time in. Screen killing process. Yeah. This is what I want to get to. Where I, I, I'm assuming this guy must be part of the military detachment that has been invading, attacking yeah. Yeah, yeah. the generals. Yes, he is. Where he's been holding up, and he runs into this RAF guy who's, and he doesn't trust him because, like, who are you? Why are you here? Like, you're not even American. He's like, well, I'm part of like. Uh, I was part of like I was a, basically Ripper's right hand man. Yeah, and I was like, I'm I'm just here just as part of the RF, just for like like. Some and kind I've like, got to get these codes to recall yeah. the planes because they're. And he's like, I don't know nothing about no planes. Yeah. You're gonna keep your hands <laughs> on I your head. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's all You're like, You're gonna keep your hands on your head, and we're gonna get out of here. And he's like, Do you think the president will be very happy with you if he finds out? Blah blah blah. So then they go to a payphone. Yeah. On a mill. Okay. The payphone still works, but other phones don't work. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I need change. Because the president wouldn't accept a collect call. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does have to call it the operator and tell the operator, the operator, put me in charge of the president. Yeah. So he's like, it could be anyone yeah. really calling the president. I feel like there point, would be but... better ways to go about that. Well, that's kind of, <laughs> on the again, military that's base. supposed to be showing how easily, like, this supposedly bulletproof system kind of winds down where, like, the fate of the world so hinges like, on a guy on a payphone yeah. inside this military and complex this not is, having enough yeah. um, this is change a, to this make is the, the call. The part where you remember, he's like, go shoot that Coca Cola machine. He's like, I'm not going to shoot that. That's private property. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, buddy, if... Uh, if, if the president s- finds out that you have been obstructing this... He's like, all right, I'm going to shoot it. But if you don't get the president, I'm going to shoot you. And then he mm. says, well, yeah, okay, I'll shoot I'll shoot the cook machine, but... Uh, and then he shoots the cook... This, well, he says, uh, but you're going to be on the... You're going to answer to the cook machine company for this. Yeah. That's what the other line I remember from this movie is yeah. like, again, it's the end of the world, but all this guy cares about is who's going to answer to the coke mach- uh, coke company... Wugga, wugga, so he wugga. shoots it, and while he's getting the coins off the ground, he gets sprayed in the face with Coca-Cola. <laughs> so then we, which I can't we, we're not hating on this movie, but it's very kind of, especially for Stanley Kubrick yeah. and this being such a huge film. You're expecting something a little bit like, yeah. and then we slap cut. To just all the planes flying back because recall code worked. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. nothing in between that. You don't get to see him for a movie talking to in the which we spend five or... minutes at a time watching people on an airplane flip switches. You'd think there'd be also show a yeah. little bit of that code being sent out and like no, they're just everyone's. Yeah, being just sent everybody's back. like yay, yeah, we win. Yay. The movie's all, over. All these, all the planes are going back except the four that got shot down. Oh no, but that's good because they're shot down, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yay, movie's still over. But then they get a call from the Russian president. And he's well, I, Vic, Vladimir, <laughs> I, I, calm down. What? What are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And it turns out there's still one plane left. And he's like, "Well, we we know where it, we know, we know where it's headed." And um, uh, well, if you just if you just put your bombers in that route, I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll you'll get and it. Help, but shoot it down. Yeah. Yeah. So then a bunch of them like, well, what happens if it goes get through? Blah blah blah. All that stuff happens. And uh, so then we go back to the plane. And they're getting ready to drop the missile, but none of the controls are working for Yeah, because the plane's all jacked it. up from that explosion. Everything's yeah. not working. 
So Slim Pickens like, I'm going back down there and looking to see if I can't get it fixed. So he goes down to the cargo hole and there's a bunch of wires that are fried down there. And he gets on top of the bomb and puts them together as they're getting close. And the bomber door is open because that's what they were doing. And then the missile just drops. Like, there's no with time slip, to wait for him to pick come at back the top up. Of it. Yeah. And he, he is super happy to be riding that bomb down. If I was riding the bomb Whoa! down to my inevitable See, doom. To be fair, if you're going to go. Well, he also thinks he's going out in a way that's going to, like, retaliate for what America. What yeah. the Russians just, just did to America. From his perspective, America pretty much doesn't seem to exist anymore because of the whole reason the retaliating hasn't been. Because America has been, from their perspective, supposedly been destroyed. And, and you know what? If you're going to go out. Probably the quickest, safest, easiest way to go out. If you're going to die in this I world, so. going out on an A-bomb in, in the middle of a nuclear blast where they're not, re- regardless if you're on top of it or not, look, we'll center at the yeah, blast. If you're at the you epicenter, know, yeah. Hiroshima, you know, you know, fucked up. But yeah, at the epicenter of a nuclear blast. So pretty much that's 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 pretty much the best way to go out, I would imagine. Yeah, so Slim Pickens so, riding the bomb down. He's got is... nothing else to worry about. Parodied in the episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, what? Which that is the, been, the cat. This has been parodied so it's much. It's the cat burglar episode. They go to yeah. uh, what's his name with the old blood, with the old uh, cat burglar guy, yeah. right? Uh, what's his name? The guy that runs that gun store. Oh, the I, guy with one arm. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember all. Herman. He's got one. He's got the. I think it's Herman. He's got the hair yeah. comb mustache and the one arm. But yeah. Homer's like, the Vietnam do you have vet. anything bigger? And he's like, come out back with me. <laughs> oh, that. And guy, he takes yeah. him out back there, and he he's got the bomb. And Homer's has a fantasy about blowing up uh, hippies. Oh no, brown bureaucrat! And they're playing their bongos, and he jumps on it the same way, or he yeah. hops on it and rides it down like Slim Pickens, having fun. And then he's like, "Hey!" And he points to a sign that says, "No, please, no riding the bomb." Oh, okay. And And there's also uh, I forgot that there's anything that happens at in this movie after that. I wish that there was this that was the ending. No, there's still five minutes left. Yeah, and then they, we get a conversation uh, where they're basically sitting around defeated uh, because one of the bombs went off and eventually the whole world's going to die. And they're talking. Uh, Doctor Strangelove shows up for his horrific, just terrific reprisal of the of the well known and beloved. Because Peter Sellers got to do something to earn his paycheck from if the studio we, that made this movie. If we go underground. We will be able to survive, and of course, all the politicians will be able to go down, and we will pick only the finest specimen of women, and every man will have five to six women for himself. Ten to one, and always. Yeah, it's like that's what, what everyone, everyone at, at first is and all everybody's like, 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 this like, sounds hmm, weird. Yes, but it's when good. he suggests that, like, he talks about how there's going to be nothing to do but fuck down there. Yeah. So everyone's like, well, we don't really like the idea of living in a mine shaft, but if all we have to do for the rest of our lives is fuck our harem of ten women, that sounds like a good idea. Again, in the face of the end of the world, the thing that perks all these guys' ear up is, like, oh, I get to fuck a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. That's still kind of like the whole joke is like, oh. Yeah, and then we get a montage of nuclear bombs exploding to the song Till We Meet Again mm-hmm. and the movie ends. That's it. And that's it. It's... And it says filmed at Shepperton Studios UK. Yeah. Go home. <laughs> yeah. Now leave. Yeah. It actually does have Matthew Broderick actually from that scene same scene from the end of uh, Ferris Bueller oh, okay. where he shows up in the bath towel and go home. What are you doing? Still yeah. here. Um, what did you think of the Adams Family Values style credit sequence? With that hand-drawn font, have you you seen? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For some it reason, that even, made more of even an impact on me because it's like that tall, scratchy, chalky yeah. font from the Adams Family movies. Yeah, no, I, I get that now, but I didn't even that's, re- resonate did make, with me at that, all. With me, that sung to me. I yeah. was like, oh yeah, I remember those Adams Family movies. <laughs> That's yeah, that's, that's what I was referencing notes. the movies that came uh, out. Like, Doctor So what did you what did you think of the film? It made me chuckle a couple times. A couple times. But yeah, yeah. it didn't blow you away. You still liked no. it better than everything else you've done, but like yeah. it was not like did not make your tits home. Yeah, I would I would watch this again. I wouldn't okay. watch any of the other movies. It's a short film before. and it's super simple because the story is very linear. It's kinda like this I happens, just, that happens, this yeah, happens. I just feel like end. it was a mishmash of ideas that they were like, Is that funny? Well, um, let's do it. Martha says it's funny. Put it in. I guess um, the movie's supposed to end with a big pie fight? They had filmed a giant pie fight in the war room. That's... Okay, now wait a second. This is one of those times. This is one of those times 
I can't tell if this is a Bill no, Mudrin joke. No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> There's still, you can look up online, Strange Love Pie Fight. You can see, like, all the characters, like, I've never seen footage, so I don't know if Strange Love's involved. Which I guess, actually, now that I think about that, probably that's probably why they had that whole food buffet. It's probably why would to there justify... Be, why is there a pie fight? All I know is it was supposed to end with a pie fight. I don't know what the circumstances would be. I don't know if maybe Buck Turgeson gets angry at the ambassador, maybe, if there was a pie in him. That starts to, who knows? Oh, and at the end, the, the Russian ambassador takes a photo of the war room big screen. Yeah. Which, why his... does it matter anymore? Everything's blowing up. I know. It's just... Russia's gone. Again, so much of this movie is... Well, it, it's... From from the perspective in which this movie was made, it was all about the scandalous... It, all, how petty it could be in the face of real uh, tragedy, but now it just comes across as like, why is people doing this? This is so stupid. Well, you in a real situation, you wouldn't do this. Yeah. Maybe it's a result because we actually grew up with more of an actual like Cold War terror thing. Maybe it's this seems less funny. To, I don't know. I don't know why this movie doesn't play the same way as it did actually when it was released in 1964. I, and I was wondering, I, I was wondering know. how many people when they saw this movie were actually like rooting for Russia to get bombed. Oh, sure, a lot. I mean, it's 1964. Yeah. Because Back when the big threat was that they could nuke us at any time. Was this? This would have been after the Cuban missile. Well, 1964 would have been after Kennedy got assassinated. So it would definitely be after the. Yeah, this this only being made like in the, the year or two after the Cuban missile crisis. Yeah, that would have been totally everyone been rooting for new uh, Russia to get nuked. They almost nuked us in real life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not a bad movie. Just has not necessarily aged that well because it's so much of its time, and was being was and crafted it, to be such a specific black comedy that was tied to so yeah, specifically uh, of that I just time. Don't feel like their slapstick worked with their serious stuff. Like yeah. they had to pick one or the other. It just. They would try to do like they try to do like these Bob Newhart phone calls, I and see, then I have like, Doctor Strange Love come in and talk about <laughs> the Strange Love. Yeah, it's completely superfluous. He's like scooting around in his chair like his asshole's itchy. <laughs> and he's well, that's and, the last. And thing the final the line of the movie, he stands up and says, "My father, I can walk." Like, oh, and then it ends. That is really just... It's like, okay, that had to be improvised because that line makes no fucking sense in the context. Like, why is that to anything? And he yeah. starts like. Trying to heil Hitler with his hand and is calling that Fuhrer, and I'm like, what is happening with this character? I like to imagine There's that he no is... context for this happening at all. In order to survive among Americans, he's had to like channel all of his Nazi passion with his arm, and so that's why it's always fighting against him because it's the one thing that still remains like you know, like you know, fucking uh, uh, loyal to the Nazi cause. He's always having to fight it in order to keep him embarrassing himself because he's still like a Nazi at heart. Yeah, that's my interpretation. Of he, was, this, he was just a complete character of a, a Nazi German. What it just do doesn't fit. Think about Kubrick in general. I, the directing in this kind of just fell flat. It, do you like other Kubrick movies, out. or have you seen? Them I've many? only seen Eyes Wide Shut. Oh man, that is not a good sampling. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not that much of a Kubrick fan anyway, but like this and Eyes Eyes Wide Shut, Eyes Wide Shut. I was expecting terrible. more because of how. Would you expecting more sexy? Oh, and I've seen The Shining. Oh, um, oh, fuck The Shining. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, but I've uh, uh, I was expecting more since he's such a pro- prolific director. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more style or something, but it was just. This felt like a movie anybody could have directed. I do like visually like the style of this movie, but like see content wise, I think actually it's funny because I actually think I do like this movie more than you do. Probably, but I don't know. But still, uh, yeah, no, it just it, it, the directing felt like it didn't no, feel hey, like the movie anything is prolific. Totally corny to me, but I appreciate it like more. I, I this does I'm, feel I'm, like I'm, a dad's I'm, comedy. I'm able to distance myself from it a little bit and kind you, of like appreciate it on its own. Merits. You describing it as a dad comedy is it's only totally a dad is comedy, what this, it is. which is funny because, like I said, 1964. This must have been a scorching thing, but that was over 50 years ago now. Yeah. So yeah, no big shouldn't be a big shocker that something that's 50 years old, especially again that was so timely. It has not aged that well, but um, I do like the look of the movie though. I was I I was kind of wondering why it was in black and white when I started watching it again. Um, and I realize there's so much um, stock footage in this thing. Yeah, I think they're obligated to make it black and white so you can have a you know black and white nuclear test bomb footage and stuff, and like mm-hmm. army guys attacking the base could fit into the movie without having to you know s- scratch up a special effects budget. Um, when I first fired up the movie, to to the first credits I saw was Gil Taylor, who was also cinematographer. He was cinematographer on this movie, also cinematographer of Star Wars and A Hard Day's Night. Have you seen a Hard Day's Night? Mm, I think parts of it. Hard Day's Night is so 
for a movie that's just following the Beatles around, almost right yeah, around this time. Yeah, good things about it. In fact, he probably this may have been the first movie that Gil Taylor did after A Hard Day's Night. It's a really pretty movie, black and white, very English. Um, but yeah, I love the way this movie looks. Maybe the, I haven't seen Hard Day's Night. What's the other Beatles movie? That's the Hard Day's Night is black and white one. Okay, that was done I've right when the they color. were like I've seen super parts of the popular. One. It's back when they were still dressing in the same five yeah. black suits or four black suits. I haven't seen that one. Then. Um, that's a, that's probably oh. Uh, Depends on who you talk to. Andy's a huge fan of Help. Yeah, Help. Yeah, that might be the There's one Magical Mystery that's Tour. Right. That is terrible. I don't know. Um, also, uh, the production designer was Ken Adam, who, again, this doesn't mean anything to you, but he was production designer on all the classic Bond movies, mm. pretty much from the start of the series all the way up until, like, I think, well, like, Stanley Moonraker. Was Stanley British? No, that's the weird thing, because he worked almost exclusively in Britain, but I think he was, like, born in, like, St. Louis or something. Hmm. Um, and I think he was raised in America, too, so it's not like somebody who was born in America and, like, raised in England, but he worked, like, so almost exclusively in the UK. I think he just liked the quality of the films they produced there more. And I think maybe because he was working for British film companies, he had a little bit more uh, leeway in terms of the stuff he did, in terms of actually the production. I guess he was still making movies for the American film studios, but because he was, he could get away with more because the actual production was being done on the other side of the world. Um, also, back then, I think the exchange rate between the American dollar and the British pound were enough that, like, like you you essentially got more money with yeah. the same budget as you did filming in the UK than if you had been filming in Hollywood. But yeah, I think yeah, Eyes Wide Shut was one of the few things that I think he ever filmed. I don't think he filmed. I may have also been filmed entirely in the UK too, even though that takes place in New York. I know um, Full Metal Jacket. There's all these scenes in Vietnam. But he still managed to film that out in like Yorkshire because nice. it's all like they they found like an abandoned oh, like I did see the factory. First, I did see the first half of Full Metal Jacket. That's the only one everyone cares about. And remembers for everyone like jerking off about what a great movie that is. The only the only thing about that whole movie anyone cares about or remembers is the whole boot camp sequence. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I got up to the end of the boot camp sequence and I'm like, I think I'm done with this movie. I don't want to shit talk Kubrick too, too much, but so many people were in love with him. And I'm just kind of like, meh. Um, I think that's how a lot of directors are, where they have these like in, like fanboys, like like Kane, like Stacey yeah. Kane. I mean, he was a pretty good director, but not like Earth Shatter. He's no Spielberg. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's all, the other thing too, because I almost did another themed thing where like at least you you chose Citizen least... Kane, so I chose Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah. You chose Strange Love, so I was almost I almost did Barry Lyndon or Paths of Glory, which are two uh, Kubrick movies, because there's two of the few Kubrick movies I haven't seen yet. And I decided, decided to guess. Because I figured I can't chase you forever. Yeah. For every time you choose at something, least, I choose something connected at to At least but... with Orson Welles, I could tell there was an Orson Welles style. Yeah. With this, th- nothing felt unique. Really? Nothing yeah. felt unique so to the, me. Like, the set design is so unique to this movie and everything. Just the way it's shot just looks so much like Strange Love to me. Yeah. Um, but then again, I've read so many, like, But does it look books. like other Kubrick movies? No. Kubrick movies? Kubrick didn't... As far as I'm concerned, Kubrick never had a very specific style in terms of like visual yeah that's what i mean he could be very obsessive about detail but like those details would change from film to film it's not like he always used like the same tracking shots or like he didn't have like spielberg like where spielberg always does the thing where people looking up in the sky going oh or like you know that kind of stuff um that's a good point actually yeah so Um, but yeah it was it was fine um well eyes white shadow also originally ended with a pie fight Oh, yeah. <laughs> Different kinds of pie? Yeah, Zach. Exactly. Oh! <laughs> no! Oh! Oh, no! I just... I got a very specific picture in my head that I can't even articulate. Oh, no! Uh, that was a, I got a good reaction out of you on that one. Eyes wide shut! Eyes <laughs> wide shut, that's the one that starts off with Nicole Kidman getting buck-ass naked, like, over the title sequence. Like, yeah, I right? think so. It says, like, eyes wide shut. Like, and the movie like, goes from black to eyes wide shut to her, like, her ass hanging out. And her, like, out. taking a dump on a toilet and stuff. <laughs> Smearing around with her butt sheet. Yeah. Man, Cooper's fucking crazy. Yeah. Did you ever see What's the one about the crazy people? The Clockwork Orange? No. And that's another movie. Like, I people talk. Man, I feel bad for anyone listening to this who's a huge Cooper cramp. But I just, I, man, I've seen Clockwork Orange a couple times, and every time I see it, I'm just like, I can see why people jerk off on this movie, but it's just fucking boring as shit. Yeah. Um, again, who knows? Maybe if I were older and, like, those movies were fresher when I was a kid, I could appreciate them better. But, ugh, I don't know. Anyway. So, how did this movie do when it came out? Do you know? Oh, 
that's a good question. I didn't even look at that. Um, I think it did not was not really well received because I think it was released right after Kennedy was assassinated, mm. and so it's kind of like black humor, anti patriotic kind of shtick. I don't think it went over very well. Um, yeah, I, could, I can look I could up the Wikipedia, but I don't think it did. Let's see. Um, oh no, it at least made money. Uh, although I guess worldwide it probably did better overseas than it did in America. Uh, budget was two million dollars. It made about uh, ten million. How did how did it do for Kubrick? Is it, did like did this get him more work? It must have been because he kept on like. In, what did he do after? If this? anything, this was two thousand one. I mean, okay. he did almost all the famous movies. Actually, everything up until this, or all the movies that people don't know as well. This is kind of like the start of his. Uh, yeah, because he would have done. This is nineteen sixty four. I think two thousand one was like. 2000 or 2001 was like 1968 which i think that took him a couple years to uh produce uh so yeah this is kind of really the start of his like the golden age of kubrick films hmm. uh let's see filmography of stanley kubrick um yeah well he did spartacus yeah go Sp- uh, oh, Spartac- he did spartacus i didn't yeah, know that. spartacus lolita dr strange love yeah 2001 yeah so it goes Damn, he actually made most of his movies before this. Oh, okay. Essentially, so it's Doctor Strange Love 2001, Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, and Eyes Wide Shut. And then he died. Yeah, I feel feel like with how big his name is, he should have made a lot more than that. Yeah, that's really crazy. Yeah, and before Doctor Strange Love, his biggest film was probably Spartacus. And yeah, he only really did about 10... Because most of the movies, he did more movies before Strange Love, but most of them were like student films or like not like wide yeah. released like stuff. So I don't know. He did the Killing Paths of Glory, Spartacus, and Lolita before Strange Love. So Strange Love is really like in the middle of right between his like formative, lesser known stuff and the big stuff that he's Kubrick. Yeah. Known as. This is no art. This is no AI. Yeah. Now, Let's Bill, shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, you asked. There's also, I, brought, yeah. I know. I know. I there's a, the there's also an episode of The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob gets a nuke and he threatens to blow it up unless all TV gets shut off. I don't remember Do you remember this. that one? No. It was pretty early on, one of the earlier ones, mm, Sideshow no. Bob episodes. Uh, it takes place a at nuke? a nuke? Yeah, it takes place at an air show. I know there's one where uh, uh, Frazier shows up, his brother, and there's a, like a thing at the dam. Yeah. That's that's after this one. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's like season ten. Yeah. But, um, uh, I don't remember this bomb thing at the at the uh, air show yeah, though. But then, but in doing that, uh, uh, he steals a nuclear nuclear weapon. <laughs> it's okay, he gets a nuclear. Basically, um, no, I can't. People will be so mad. Uh, but they have a meeting of like all the celebrities and like Mr. T's there, I think, and a bunch of other celebrities and Krusty. But they're in a war room. That is based off of the war room in this. Yeah, it's the big glowing donut with the with the yeah. fucking war game shit behind him. So that's another reference. Mm. And also, I don't know if you know this. I don't know. Uh, the device uh, that Marty plugs his guitar into in Back to the Future, underneath it has a little code that is CRM-114, uh, which is the code that they originally get to... Yeah, that's like the, that's the prefix machine. Yeah. yeah. So there's a little reference in Back to the Future. I didn't realize for those you. guys were that big Kubrick fans. That's good. That's interesting. There it is. Hey, wait. How did what you know that up? if you didn't read the Wikipedia entry? I was looking up. I was looking IMDb. up references on Simpsons. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and that and, happened to be included in there. Uh, our previous episode of this was Animaniacs, and I was pointing out there was a Camelot episode. Yeah. Where uh, Camelot is attacking a dragon or vice versa however you want to interpret that <laughs> yeah. i like to think of the political ramifications if it's it's camelot driving the dragon to forcing it to attack mm. um mm. all dragons life matters yeah so uh no but there's a scene where like everyone uh, uh draws back to a the camelot's war room which is you know the doctor strange yeah. love war room you've got peter sellers in the background like trying to do the nazi salute so That's so weird um so yeah this doctor strange love was a movie that I enjoyed more than uh, previous it's a movies. Glowing, scorching review. Is it, it made me, it made me laugh a couple times. I, I don't wish ill against Stanley Kubrick for having made this. Nah, just eyes wide shut. <laughs> I eyes wish it will. <laughs> God damn, that's pretty bad. When the only interesting thing we have to say about Strange Love is that eyes wide shut was very good. <laughs> 
it was it was it was a dad comedy. You summed it up really succinctly Although, by describing it as a dad's as comedy. As milk toast is your reaction to this, this is still your favorite thing that we've done so far. It's yeah. Damn, that's cold. <laughs> you gotta find something better for the future. What's your next thing gonna be? Uh, next time we're gonna do American Werewolf in London. Yes, that, we'll be in the spooky month. Of I know October, you were talking so, about that, but I, and that's when I've always, you know, I'm a big. I don't, I, I don't like horror movies, but I like special effects. I and should, I know that's a big special little, effects movie. I should not get excited. I really like that movie, but it's super low key, so I want to build it up like it's something, some kind of crazy movie. It's yeah. a very short, very quiet. It's almost like we'll talk about this next week, but not two next weeks. week. Two weeks, but. I hope you like it because I actually really do have a soft spot. Yeah, I, do. I do kind of hope one of us eventually comes across something we hate, so we that can the have other a person hate loves, in. or both of us just uh, either way. What's the just one that, hate no, us? We already have hate one Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah, I guess. So. Although we didn't flat out hate that, we understood where kind of parts of it was coming from. Yeah, because it was a movie that was intentionally made, to, seemingly made to hate the movie. Yeah, where it, we haven't run across anything where it's been bad, where it seems like bad by now, accident. Eventually, we will do uh, episodes where we look at the terrible pop culture things we have missed. We kind of have to. Well, that's what I was talking about like, Space Jam. Like, I've have, I've still never seen episode three. I've never seen um, Batman and Robin. I've never seen Batman. I saw Batman Forever, but not Batman and yeah. Robin. Uh, the first Blu-ray that. player I ever bought uh, was a store model that came with a copy of Batman and Robin, and I threw the blue, uh, <laughs> DVD away. Uh, um, you have never played Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> Gonna make you play that. I'm so, worth so... hooking up my 360 again for <laughs> Well, if you get a gaming PC, you can play it on there. That's a good point. Oh, God, and all the terrible <laughs> PC games. Are... Oh, Silent Hill 2. I wonder if that's on PC. Uh, it might be, because I don't know if the port's any good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, uh, yeah, eventually we will do terrible Ooh. stuff, because talking about terrible stuff and having to hate it is fun. Oh, man, we got new Star Wars coming out, so we're kind of obligated to do episode 3 before the end of the year. Nah. Really? Nah. Really? Nah. Uh, I mean, we could, Did you but... see the Plinkert? review of yes i've seen all of his reviews i'm pretty sure yeah because he did like an hour and a half review of episode three yeah yeah no i watched that revenge of the shit <laughs> tishi actually technically that yeah so tishy. we'll eventually do that but uh <laughs> dr strange love was fine yeah um, okay it was we so it did it's kind of like a finger up your butt at, but at the doctor. It, it doesn't hurt, but it's still just kind of like, eh. It didn't make for as entertaining conversation as past movies, just, cause well, it just it because it was kind of a... Toast. It's, it, it felt quick. It was kind of a short little movie. There wasn't a lot that happened to talk about. Yeah, from the trivia perspective, there's not a lot to dig into other than Kubrick just wanted to make like a black comedy about nuclear war and sex, yeah. I guess. I guess. Um, lots of planes refueling. Yeah. Which actually, if you've seen Mystery Science Theater, because they make whenever there's like lengthy, there's at least one movie where there's a lengthy plane refueling sequence yeah. in that. Yeah. What is that? Which one? is that like a laser blast? It's something where they keep on I making jokes about how like blast. we shouldn't be watching this. Is this is too but private? Yeah. 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 Turn this off and go watch Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Well, that's one of the other things that's I was going to watch in the future because I got to catch up with the Pearl yeah, Forster but... episodes. Well, here's the thing, people. Uh. I don't know how many comedies we'll be doing on this. Yeah. Because comedies will be hard because it'll just eventually break down to hey, that one joke was funny, huh? Yeah. Well, that one part in airplane when well, she was, she was blowing up the co-pilot <laughs> and it looked like he was getting a blowjob. I'm talking about blowjobs. We're talking about Strange Love and that's a comedy, but we're talking about jokes that we don't necessarily think are funny. So we're just kind of like, <laughs> well, that's guess. a joke that happened, but we didn't laugh at it. Okay. Yeah. So that's why that that's how the tenor of this episode happened. Where we're kind of like. If you're yeah, dissecting but, something that's not that funny to begin with, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the saddest rubber chicken. We'd ever be able to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 because then you're talking about the whole point of Mystery Science Theater 3000 is you're looking at these terrible movies. I know. And then you, they, everything they say is a joke. Well, and that's the, the challenging thing, too, because watching because Mystery Science Theater 3000, every episode is two hours long. Yeah. And there's still there's a lot of Pearl Forrester because I've seen all the Mystery Science Theaters. Uh, I've saw, I've seen all the Joel ones. I've seen most of the Mike ones. So like I know I've watched hundreds of hours of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. But when yeah the the show made the move to science the what the Sci Fi Network, and Pearl Forrester took over the villain duties from mm-hmm. the from the big bads, in Deep Thirteen. I never really watched any of that stuff. So weird. And uh, well with the Turkey Day stuff going on, I've seen uh excerpts of that stuff and it didn't seem quite as bad as it seemed back in the day so that's what i was kind of tempted but like I would, just I would have to watch such episodes. a phenomenal amount of that stuff 
in order to yeah. get cut out for the show. Like, yeah, so so don't look forward to any MST. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I should just watch the host segments. That's the only part that matters anyway. Yeah, just start a podcast just reviewing the host segments of Mystery Science People Theater 3000. Yeah, because it's not like Pro Forrester shows up in the middle of the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Then again, I don't know how Mystery Science Theater comes across if you just watch the host segments. Probably not very well. Yeah. Well, they'll... <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, anyway. Anyway, next week, Bill will be doing that one movie that i always forget the night name of the of, hunter night of the hunter so good luck finding that uh two weeks it'll be an american werewolf in london which should be on it that shows up that's, on netflix that'll be and stuff easy to pretty find often anywhere, yeah. yeah so uh partake of those and prepare for the next time i reserve the uh, uh the, the privilege of changing my mind at the last minute about night of the hunter so if you're watching <laughs> listening to this and you were like i'm going to watch Batman. <laughs> well, uh, keep an eye on uh, tardypodcast.com, and if Bill does change his mind... No, I'll be Night of the Hunter. There's okay. no reason not to, but like... So you can find us... You kind of at... gave me a moment to pause when you when you realize how hard it is to find that to stream, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you can... But you can find us at tardypodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Bill is at Mudrin on Twitter. I'm at the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Yeah, because, the Grumpy Turtle, all one word. Because some dickbag took Grumpy Turtle... Before I could oh, get that it. makes you sound like the authoritative Grumpy Turtle, though. That's that really true. puts you on a pedestal. Like you are the I Grumpy am Turtle, the not just a Grumpy Turtle. Uh, you can email us at tardypodcast at gmail And until next time, keep filling them holes. Pop culture. We're, we're falling through the sky on a nuclear bomb. I'm James Earl Jones, looking out the window, going, "What happened?" Oh, shit. Uh-oh. So I guess that's the end of the world. We'll see you again. So we'll meet again. day. Are we going to sing the song? No. I do like there's a chorus in that song. Okay. Goodbye. It makes it sound like the whole world's dying. Goodbye, Bill. Okay. <laughs>